Happy Wednesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Airport Minute where each and every day Monday through Friday we go over the greatest disaster movie ever made in 1970 Universal Pictures movie Airport. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv and we are really pleased to have a wonderful guest, a very special guest, none other than Van Heflin's daughter, Miss Vanna O'Brien. Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. It it really is an exciting moment. There are, uh, as as we were saying earlier, the uh, you know the, the problem is that time so so many years have gone by that there are very few people who were participants in this movie. So we we reach out to family and friends of of the principals, and uh, and you are definitely one one of uh, one of the uh, family of the principals. Uh, we wa- we're watching uh, the very end of. Uh, of his of your dad's scenes in this film and it's just it's it's really an amazing uh, uh selling of this i keep saying selling but it really is it, it promotes such an idea of of how much conflict and turmoil there is in this character uh we're watching uh dio guerrero is standing at the back of the plane and uh uh, Dean Martin as Vern Demarest is trying to talk Guerrero out of uh, blowing up the briefcase bomb, and uh, yeah, in order to allow Dean Martin to give his his words, your dad, without having to say any words, just has to stand there and express his feelings just through you know moving an eyebrow or, or just uh, moving his eyes back and forth, and it's just such a great scene with so little action in it. Um, it. It's uh, I really I'm really not sure how how to ask about all this, but he when he was getting ready when he, like he was doing a production, did he need away time from from you all? Did did he? I mean, did he leave it all at the office or did he come home and and talk and practice and said you know Dad's got to think about this thing or how how did that work? Did... Well, he and my mother probably talked a lot about it, but um, you know we were watching. You know, howdy doody, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I, I think as kids we were aware of what he was doing, um, and he would talk about funny stories that happened. But for the most part, um, and certainly, you know, during the '60s, I, I graduated from high school in 1960. I went away to college, and we then my husband and I moved up to Berkeley and I was teaching school. He went to architecture school. My dad would come up and visit us, but you know, he wasn't one at least to talk with us kids very much about what he did. We sort of understood the general sense was this is, this is his job, mm-hmm. you know, and did, dads, dads don't always talk about their jobs, you know. Did he ever bring you on the set of any of his projects? Well, we traveled with him, um, yeah, you know, when he did, um, like, we went, um, when he was doing Shane, we went to Jackson Hole, Mm -hmm. and we went to North Dakota when he did a movie called Tomahawk. When he did shows back east, uh, when he was in plays, we almost always went back and lived there. Mm -hmm. So, as you know, we were in school in Los Angeles, but if if we could, we would go back and spend time on the set with him. Mm-hmm. Did did he hang around with other actors as friends? I mean, did he have a, a circle of friends who were, who were also actors? I mean, did you know he wasn't a very social man? Uh, he had 
really good friends, um, but they didn't necessarily come around all that much. I mean, he, you know, he had sort of drinking buddies, <laughs> but in, I was not, he didn't talk craft a lot. You know, I mean, I definitely came away with that impression that talking about acting was, he kind of disdained that. I mean, he never, never did. The only thing I know that he would say is, um, I had a terrible horror of overacting because he, when I started uh, acting myself in college and afterwards, because he just hated it, overacting. That would, that was the worst thing you could do. Did he, did he try to dissuade you from, from becoming an actress or? Well, I never, know? during his lifetime, I was only really just playing around. I mean, in college I, I did shows but, uh, and he, he came to see him and he was, <laughs> you know, he never said that was awful or, but you know, he, he was very, um, accepting of it because it was just something I was doing for fun. But I think he really hoped that I would get a PhD mm -hmm. and do something useful. And do, do you remember, uh, you said earlier that he was always very gracious to fans. Do you remember being with him and people would come up on the street or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I that I was always very, um, I was always very impressed by how kind he was to people. Mm -hmm. Like we, uh, um, I I went with him a couple of times to Italy when he was doing uh, pictures at Cinecittà, mm -hmm. and um, you know people would come up and they would. You know, they would take his time. He'd be sitting at a bar, uh, having a drink and relaxing after uh, a long day, and people would come up and want to talk to him. And I never, ever saw him be the least bit impatient or unkind. He was just always very, very, he was a gentleman. He was very much a gentleman. Yeah, you know, there's so many stories of actors and celebrities today just being very rude to people that would dare to come up to them, and, and so it's great to hear that kind of thing. Yeah, I I think he um, he really had no he what he and I remember him saying something like uh, sort of justifying like we're sitting down having dinner and some lady comes up. I think this was in Rome and just wanted to talk and talk and talk. And he was just so polite to this person. And when she left, he said, you never want to forget the fact that these are the people who are paying for you. Yeah. They're, they're his customers basically. Is there is, that, that's right. That's right. Wow. Hmm. I'm just curious. Uh, did he have a favorite watering hole in in L.A.? I wonder if it's still there. I will go and have a drink in his honor if if it if it is still there. <laughs> oh well, that would be his private bar. I think. Ah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my mother liked to go to nightclubs like the Brown Derby and you know stuff, but he really didn't. Uh, he he would, but he didn't really want to. He was much more comfortable at home. In it with his own bar with his family. Wow! Yeah, I know there is a uh, there's a biography of, of your dad out. Have you read Have you read his, the bi the biography that's out about him? Or no, no, 
Yeah, I uh, No, in fact I didn't know that. Yeah, I haven't uh I haven't read it myself. Actually let me get the let me get the name. But it's uh I, I was I was considering getting this but it, kind of have, having you on the show uh, there was enough time to uh, to get it but i was just wondering if the you know if you had read it and what the uh what your reaction was to it i have i have no idea what the uh, uh no and i i'm so glad you told me yeah you know? it, it actually it was published in february february of this year it's called van heflin a life in film and it was by a fellow named Derek skullthorpe it's published by mcfarlane and, and company and uh, I, I will find if if you read it and uh, if you read it and are outraged or say that's not true, please come back on the show and we can we can talk about it some more. But uh, <laughs> I, I will I will track down uh, the book and and see uh, see what's in it. Um, thanks for telling me. So uh, uh, no, I I'm I'm surprised that the, that the, the author didn't reach out to you because I would think that you know wanting wanting to have more stories about it. Um, and it's available on Amazon. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. It has no, oh, yeah. It has no uh, no ratings on it, so I have no no idea what it's like. Very very nice picture of your dad on the front cover. He's got a uh, three piece suit on and just those incredible eyes. He just has those incredibly deep set eyes that are so okay. emotive. Um, it uh, I'll just read you what the uh, the blurb says. A versatile craftsman, actor Van Heflin was never concerned with popularity or comfortable with stardom. Lauded by his peers, Heflin won over moviegoers with his portrayal of resolute homesteader Joe Starrett in uh, George Stevens' classic Shane. He impressed in all genres, convincingly portraying every type of character from heel to hero. Sounds like a, a, a glowing uh, biography, but we'll, we'll see. And, uh... Well, you know, that's very interesting because he never contacted me or my brother or sister. So, you know, maybe that, you know, he was only using secondary sources yeah i don't know well I, I, i'm now very interested oh and it's available on kindle i, I may read this this afternoon okay <laughs> um okay. but uh yeah it sounds intriguing i'll let you know what 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 my thoughts are on it but I, yeah i'd be interested in, in hearing if, if, if you read it uh, what how you feel about it um okay he really is uh, your dad is such a great actor and there's so little about him but i guess that's because he really didn't expose a lot on the public side i mean he yeah he wanted the, his work to to uh, speak for him yeah i think that's i think that's true he um i i can't really speak knowledgeably about how much he sought publicity to the extent that he was supposed to in order to promote you know films that he was doing mm -hmm. uh, because he was never resistant to talking with uh, reporters, <laughs> he was real nice to Hedda Hopper. I remember that. Really? Uh, she was well, very powerful back then. She sure was. Yeah, she sure was. And, and, you know, like I say, my, my memory of my dad of always is being a gentleman and never being rude and obnoxious to people, um, who spoke to him about his career, but he didn't do any kind of stunts. And I think he was so private as just a, a personality that um, he didn't go out of his way to uh, sort of be seen and heard. Now, you said previously that he was very careful with his money and he didn't, you know, he didn't buy extravagant things like, you know, you, you said that he wanted, you, your mom said you should buy a sailboat and he, he didn't. What, what did he invest his money in? Did he buy real estate or did he get in, you know, like just put it all in a bank? How did, where, how did he... he protect himself he, with it. Uh, well i i 
think he, um, we had a really nice house, an old house, but a, a great house that was remodeled um, in Brentwood. And, you know, we lived right near, if you watch the um, O.J. Simpson yeah. tapes mm -hmm. of him driving around, that's our neighborhood. I mean, that's that's where I used to trick or treat, you know, yeah. <laughs> those are the houses. But um, so he invested in that. And I think he probably had other real estate investments as well. I don't think he was very good at it. And I know that an, an issue with my parents was his, um, you know, trusting. Uh, he had a business advisor that didn't I don't think he gave him particularly good advice because he never made a lot of money. He never made a lot of money. And, you know, if he if he could have had his way, I think he would have done theater in New York all yeah. the time, which he, never paid that much. He preferred mm. the stage to the film. Is that is that right? Much, very much. Wow. Yeah, I I keep wondering when uh when they made this movie with uh Russ Hunter uh making making Airport uh, to get Burt Lancaster and Dean Martin on board, they each got a percentage of the film, and and uh, between the two of them, they walked away. Burt Lancaster and Dean Martin walked away with seven million dollars each. But I don't think uh, your dad had like a piece of the action on this movie, so it 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 must have been just kind of <laughs> grinding of you know saying these two guys are getting uh, you know are are getting a big cut of this film, and really your dad is the one that is the linchpin on this movie. You know, it's... He, he is. He is. He carries that film with gravitas and mm -hmm. dignity. You know, it's there's nothing schlocky about it. No, no. He, and and he does it with so few words. I mean, he has he has the big scene in the uh, in the diner with Maureen Stapleton. But that's the most he talks in this movie. The rest of it is just it, it's it's almost like a police procedural where he's putting together the bomb in his in his uh, shabby apartment. And then, uh, you know, just uh mailing off the uh, the insurance check and things like that and then just sitting there and dealing dealing with Helen Hayes who wants to ask him a million questions and he just doesn't want to talk it's just it's a beautiful thing my my wife was uh was watching the movie yet again, yet again as we watched we watched airport about 10 or 12 times since we've started the show but uh <laughs> my, my my wife was pointing out he said you know he's acting with just his hand and a magic marker on a map and just that just a little bit of a tremor in his hand as he's drawing a line as to where he's going to blow up the plane it's such an amazing thing to to think yeah he's he's pondering how he's how much he's going to shake his hand on uh on that that one little scene but uh yeah uh, th and th this particular minute that we've been looking at or not <laughs> we've mostly been talking about your dad but but it's, it's all focused on on this one scene where he looks like he's just about to be almost apologetically handing back that briefcase uh, right. Until, right. The, until the other passenger yells at him. And then he just turns into a linebacker and knocks the other guy out of the way to, to run into the, uh, the, the tourist uh, laboratory. Um, right. And it, it, the scene is only a couple of seconds, but it's just the entirety of his life is just, you know, the entirety of his life in the, as his character is summed up right there where he's, He's torn. He's anguished. He knows he's not doing the right thing, but he's trying to do the right thing. Um, and uh, yeah, like like you were saying, it was, it, he's the linchpin of this whole film. That he's the one that every, anything is going to go, depending on where his character goes. Um, 
it, the strangest part is I always keep watching, you know, I've watched this movie dozens of times, and I'm always thinking, well, maybe this time he actually will hand it over to Dean Martin. It's, it's that realistic uh, and, and acting that you think, oh, maybe it'll change this time. Well, I think that's because you can see him think. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's, I mean, he never talked to me about doing that because he just, didn't talk to me about that you know he didn't talk to me about the way an actor needs to work um but you know when i started working in the um in the theater myself i i didn't i think most unconsciously i think that's always been a part of what my um direction has been is you have to obviously think quickly um, more quickly than we do in life in the theater because the audience can't see your face doing all of this thinking when you're on stage. But on film, you have to show it. It has to be clear that you are going from one thought to another, that there is, um, there's a train of thought. And it's so clear when you watch that last scene in airport that he is weighing consequences desperately just hearing every word that Dean Martin says to him and you can see the impact of that in his eyes and on his face yes yeah. yes you really can and without a word too I mean it's just amazing how yeah. much he can yeah. convey just just in an expression um I, I, the his very final scene in this film is unfortunately the the, the minute following this um, but it's just, I, I think it's great that his final feature, his final scene in a feature film is he's acting with himself against a mirror because I mean, that's kind of how he's working his entire, his entire career is how do I look? And he's look, he's looking at himself in a mirror as, as his final scene, as he's deciding to pull the trigger. Oh. Um, hmm. but yeah, it's, it's just an amazing, an amazing, uh, life and an amazing, uh, career that, every one of these is a is a gem and and i watch a lot of i watch a lot of movies on tvs and every every once in a while i'll see a i'll see a movie i haven't seen in a while like 310 to yuma and, and stuff like that and oh yeah there's your dad and it's like oh this is a, you have to stop and watch the entire rest of the movie because your dad can just you know provide this great storytelling on there um do you ever do you ever get contacted by people like like you know turner classics or any of the other folks to to talk about your dad on these things because i would imagine uh, a lot of people would be interested in, in your dad's life, and there, there really isn't a lot about him. Well, I do sometimes, and um, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't usually. I don't usually do that um, because I think a lot of times it seems like what people want to know is tell us all the juicy gossip and the scandal and the, you know, what was Hollywood like and who were the famous people that you remember, and I don't have much to tell them. You know, there wasn't juicy scandal. Um, he was very private, and I've always felt it was important to respect that um, because that was his life, and that was how he lived his life. And a lot of time, even even here where I live in Portland, people will say, oh, well, you know, did you know this person and that person? And and I always feel like I'm kind of disappointing him when I say, uh, no, no, I, I, I didn't really. You know, I mean, like George Stevens, for example, you know, um, how I know George Stevens is we used to go over to their house and his daughter and I had our tonsils out in the same uh, <laughs> at the same time at St. John's Hospital. You know, 
when we were seven. So, I mean, those are the kind of unexciting aspects of Hollywood life that I myself remember. Well, it's it's a company town and you knew like fellow employees, I guess, is the way it it. And that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did your dad have favor? I mean, I, I would assume that he was a close friend of George Stevens. Did he have directors that he cared for more than others that he really liked working uh, for, for particular ones or that he shared with you? Well, that's the problem. He didn't share. I mean, he and my mother, I'm sure my mother, if she were alive, she could give you a long list and, you know, list people he didn't like. But I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I you know, I, I know he, when we lived in Italy, when he was, he did, um, a handful of films at in Italy, and he really liked Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, respected mm. him a lot. No, I mean he had respect for directors, and I think they respected him. Yeah, he always turned in a quality performance. So I, I think he probably was. Uh, he, you know, he did so many films. I think that's just a testament to how uh, reliable a worker he was on the on the screen. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it still shows today. He he is kind of a timeless actor. You can watch movies from 70, 50, 60, 70 years ago, and it's the the emotions that come through are just as real now as they were then um, without that, being that, dramatic. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that um, because we we watch Double Indemnity. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a, a play out about the making of double indemnity that I, I went to see a friend that was doing it in San Diego called Billy and Ray, mm-hmm. uh, which is fascinating, really interesting about the process of making that. But then my friends and I went home and watched double indemnity. And I thought, you know, that acting it's, it speaks of the time it was done, the, the style of the acting. Yeah. And I, wa- and I watched my father and I don't see a, I don't see a timed, a style that is, uh, uh, you know, that looks like a particular era yeah, I, of that. I, when I watch Double Indemnity, I do not believe that uh, Frederick Murray has any interest in Barbara Stanwyck. I mean, they look like they're doing their lines and they're going through the motions. I don't, I, I don't really get that. But when your dad's on the screen, y- you feel like he is completely you, immersed in the character. Well, you believe it every minute. Yeah. yeah. You, believe, you, you believe every minute. And I think that's because, I mean, I, he never talked about it again, but I watch what he did. And I think what I learned as an actor myself is listen to what somebody's saying to you. Listen to it and take it in. Yeah. He, you know, he's not coming across as he's thinking of what his next line is. He's trying uh-uh. to work toward mm-hmm. the next line. And it, it just and this particular minute that we're watching, it's so you you just want to reach out and hug the guy. He's just so right on the oh, edge. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's I, so much. You have so much compassion for that character. Yeah, yeah, and and he's yeah. Like we said, he's he's he's, he's supposed uh, to be the villain. He's a bad guy, but yeah. he has he's got noble uh, uh, reasons for what he's doing. You know, that's that's a really good word. I think in almost everything there is a kind of human nobility mm-hmm. in his work. Yeah. 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 No, but a, a, a fantastic life. Well, gosh, Venice, thank you so much for being on our show. Um, we may we may have you on toward the end if, if possible. Uh, I know you're you're going on a trip for a bit, but maybe uh, in, in a month or two, we could get you back to as we wrap up this whole movie. Um, it it's such a it's such a fascinating uh, peek into how how the making of this movie was relied so much on the actors that were involved. Um, 
and really, really thank you so and much. And your dad carried carried quite a bit of. Uh, he did a lot of heavy lifting in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He had so many scenes where he was just by himself, and he had, you had to figure out what he was doing. I mean, that that one scene where he's putting the bomb together and just you know looking at it and thinking, and he he had so much uh, ominous foretelling of what was going on but he just was you know going at it with uh obviously very intent um and trying to imagine you know he's just looking at two or three lines on a script and saying oh this is you know uh guerrero assembles a bomb but he had to come up with how all this how all this looked on a screen and he so he sold it well and and you know here we're watching his his character go off i'm gonna miss him for the rest of the movie uh it's <laughs> It's, well, I remember. I mean, yeah. he, he brought yeah. his he brought his craft into every aspect of of that part. There was one scene earlier in the film where he he's walking down the jetway to the plane, and just he just looks so beaten down, you know. And he conveyed that just by his posture, right? So uh, yeah. anyway, yeah. I guess I guess we can say we're fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing this. You're so welcome. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank, thank you. And uh, for folks listening to the uh, to the show, we uh, you can talk more about uh, uh, Van Heflin and his life uh, on our website uh, at uh, airportminute.com. Also on our Facebook site, uh, the Airport Minute Commanders Club. Just search for Airport Minute Commanders Club. It's right there on Facebook. Uh, you can reach us at Twitter on Airport Minute. Uh, also, if you'd like to listen to more episodes of this show, go to iTunes and subscribe. Look, uh, search for Airport Minute and click the subscribe button. You can listen to us every day, Monday through Friday. We'll continue more as we are reaching the climax of uh, what's going to happen uh, now that uh, Dio Guerrero has entered the, the tourist lavatory. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow uh, here on the Airport Minute. Uh, Vanna, thanks again, and we will talk to uh, everyone else here uh, tomorrow. Until then, good day. Goodbye. Bye, Bye you guys. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.